Hey folks, I'm Lindsey Crosby with Locked On MLB Prospects. Just finished a great conversation with Millard Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks. Arizona has six guys in the Baseball America Top 100. We talked all six of those guys with some great player comps. And we had a good discussion about pitchers without elite velocity. How do you get batters out in today's game? And is there really a place for that kind of pitcher anymore? All this and more on today's Locked On MLB Prospects. Are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in Locked On Diamondbacks fans. We got a crazy crossover for you guys today. If you already don't see, if you're not on the YouTube feed, we got Lindsey Crosby of Crosby Baseball. That's his Twitter at name right there. He is the brand new Locked On MLB Prospects host coming on for the Locked On Podcast Network, and he's here to talk a little Diamondbacks prospects today. We we saw that list by Baseball America. D-backs tied for the most top 100 prospects, and we got Crosby on today to talk about it. So, Lindsey, how are you doing today, sir? How are you feeling? Right, did I'm the doing... kids get to bed? Did the kids get to bed? Yes, the kids are finally <laughs> down. One of them, obviously, super easy. One of them took forever to fall asleep. So that's But uh, thankfully, they're done. I'm here now. We can talk some baseball. How are you, Miller? I'm doing good. How old are your kids? Sorry if it's uh, No, it's uh, I have a girl that's six and a boy that's three. And the okay. boy's a big baseball fan. So we were up playing, you know, Oof. throwing the, the the foam ball around in the playroom. And he didn't want to go to sleep because of that. He was all hyped up and excited. It's probably the only baseball we're going to get for a little while. Yeah. Is that his favorite sport right now? <laughs> Absolutely his favorite sport. <laughs> okay. this, is a, this is a baseball household. Getting him ingrained in the culture early. I see we need younger fans. So hopefully he can drop that... Uh, age ratio down to you know a couple years hopefully being only three years old six years old pretty young so hopefully we could drop that age ratio down but we're not here we're here to talk about some other young baseball players maybe your son will be on this prospect list one day but we're talking about the diamondbacks prospects we got six on the top 100 Lindsay, and i want to start at the bottom of this baseball 100 list because the guy at the bottom i thought was kind of interesting because I believe this man won minor league pitcher of the year for the D-back system. That is Ryan Nelson. So what can you tell me about Ryan Nelson checking in at 96 on the top 100 list? How would you, how, how do you view Ryan Nelson? Do you think he can be a pretty high quality starter in the majors? Is he a reliever? What are the strengths of a Ryan Nelson? Okay. So, so Ryan Nelson to me is a guy, you can tell that he's new to being a full-time pitcher. He was a two-way player at Oregon. You know, and, he, and then you picked him up in the second round of the 2019 draft. And I think his ceiling is a mid-rotation starter, you oh. know, a, a, a low two, a solid three. And it's because he's got such a great fastball. So people see 94 and they think in today's game that's not good enough because everybody thinks about velocity. But that fastball has a lot of good movement to it. It has a lot of uh, rise and carry on it. He can spot it high in the zone really well. And so like, it's a pitch that is a difference maker for him. And to go along with that, his, his delivery, very smooth, very repeatable. And it's something where I feel good about his ability to, to maintain that same movement on the fastball, you know, six innings in, seven innings in. He's not a guy that has to go max effort to get it to the plate that is really going to be capped as a reliever. He's a guy that can do this over and over again. He's got some other pitches. He's got a, an 
average curveball. Uh, it does pair well with the fastball. They tunnel really well, so it's a good one-two combo. Um, his best secondary offering is the slider, and it's probably average at best mm-hmm. right now. And then he's been working on a changeup for a while, and he finally settled on a, a hybrid circle change. So uh, fringy right now, but he can control it, and that's what's important with a changeup. Uh, and he definitely, if, if he can develop some of these pitches, you know, just kind of get them refined, he has the, the potential there to be a mid-rotation guy. Yeah, that's interesting because you brought up the velocity because that's kind of like the biggest thing I'm watching for with these D-backs pitching prospects because when I look at the D-backs current roster, like I was going through this the other day on my pod, like they basically only have like one or two guys whose fastball averages like above 94 and a half miles per hour. And it, mm-hmm. it, it's like 95 miles per hour those two guys are averaging. So they don't have a lot of flamethrowers on this roster. Like you look up and down, it's the Bumgarners, it's the Merrill Kellys, it's the Tyler Gilberts. It's a bunch of guys throwing 89, 90 miles per hour on their fastball. A lot of guys trying to be ground ball pitchers or sinker ball pitchers. So for me, I want to see some more prospects that can throw a little bit more heat, like the D-backs were dead last in strikeouts Mm -hmm. last season, the strikeout percentage. So I want to see some more swings and misses. I want to see some more whiffs. So is that something that Ryan Nelson can still do, even though he doesn't maybe have the elite fastball? Like you say, he still has great movement. So is that something that can be a put-away pitch on the MLB level? So. As it is right now, it can be a put-away pitch simply because it's so deceptive. And then I think he has the frame. You know, he's 6'4", 190. He has the frame to put on, if he's intentional about it, to put on a probably good 10 pounds of muscle, bring him closer to, you know, to about 200 or so, and probably add a tick or two to that fastball. I don't think he'll ever be a guy who gets up towards, towards 100 or something like that. But a little bit more development. And again, too, just a little bit more experience. This is only his second, um, his, his second year being a full-time pitcher. And you could kind of tell because he struggled with his control for the last little while. He started to throw strikes consistently last year. And I think that's just a sign of how he's still developing as a pitcher. And he's not really a finished product when it comes to all four of these pitches. So I do think the fastball can pick up a little bit and can be a difference-making pitch. Um, and it's the question of can he work out the secondary offerings to the point where he can be a solid starter, or is he going to be limited to that fastball curveball combo? And he is someone that's already older. I'm looking at it now, 23 years old, even though, mm-hmm. like you said, only played two full major league seasons. He is someone that did graduate to the double A level this year and still had pretty good numbers, two five two in the high A, then graduated three five one ERA in double A. So is this someone being a little bit older, even though maybe his MLB experience is short, the fact that he is 23 years old, has a pretty good track record so far of success on a minor league level, do you think it's possible we could see this guy maybe this season, late in the year, or do you think he's more of a 2023 kind of a guy? If he can show the front office that his ability to throw strikes is a permanent trait of his now and not something not a brief fluke from last year that I absolutely think sometime after the all-star break, you can definitely see him um, in Arizona full time, taking the ball every five or six days. Uh, it's something where I would want him to eat either double A or triple A, depending on how he looks in spring training, uh, kind of make sure that the adjustments he made last year and those little bit bits of control he picked up, make sure that sticks. But then if it does stick, absolutely have him up by the all-star break and let him, uh, finish learning on the job at the MLB level. 
Yeah, I'm hoping he could be a mid-rotation starter because his D-backs rotation right now is just not deep enough. And that number five spot in the rotation is going to be open for grabs. So I don't know. I don't think this guy's going to come out of spring training with the number five spot. But maybe later in the year, they do a little rotation of that number five starter, depending on how the season goes. This is another season where the D-backs are in last place. Then I could see that being a carousel at the end of the rotation. Maybe Ryan Nelson's mm -hmm. one of the guys on the horses going around. So we'll see what happens with Ryan Nelson. But the guy he's behind, I was kind of shocked because, like I told you before, I thought he was the minor league pitcher of the year. But Blake Walston checks in at number 93 ahead of him on the baseball top 100 list. So what makes Blake Walston a better prospect than a Ryan Nelson? What are his strengths looking at him? So when you look at Blake Watson, I mean, first, he's a lefty. And, you know, lefty pitchers that can get the velocity are just a little harder to find. So I think that's part of the reason why he's seen as a little bit of a of a better prospect. His his stuff is there. His fastball sits low 90s, can touch 94, 95. Uh, his, his curveball is, it's inconsistent right now, but it has the potential to be a plus pitch. His slider's above average. His changeup, I mean, is arguably his worst pitch, and it's still average, and he's getting more trust with it, and he can throw all these pitches for strikes. Uh, with And his control is pretty much above average. The issue with Blake Watson, why he's not higher on this list, is he doesn't quite have the mental makeup and the conditioning that he needs to be an MLB starter. Uh, his, his stuff... As it continues to develop, and keep in mind, he was a, a prep draftee in 2019 in the first round. So 6'5", 195, but a younger guy, still has physical development to do, and just needs a little bit more maturity to it as well. We saw during games last year, his fastball velocity drop, and then over the season, his fastball velocity dropped from month to month. And it's kind of a, it's a side effect of him not having a consistent um, and, and good routine between starts and not having the conditioning where he needs to be. Uh, this command, his velocity, his ability to spin the ball, feel, uh, you know, to feel the pitch, all of that is like number two starter quality. His stuff is there. He just needs to better harness it, get a little bit of that maturity and and really kind of settle into what does it mean to be a professional baseball player. He's a guy that I think spring training is going to be really crucial for him. And if spring training is shortened, that's going to hurt because he needs to be around some of the veterans you mentioned, the Madison Bumgarners and things like that. Guys who have done this at a high level, he needs to be around them so he can see the models of good behavior and, and, and work ethic and mirror those so that he can be in Arizona. Once he learns that, once he gets his conditioning right, once he gets his mental makeup locked in, he has the makings of a number one, number two for Arizona. So it sounds like he might be a little lazy right now. Is that the case? He's just not totally working hard first rounder, maybe live, living off the pedigree and the talent a little bit instead of trying to you know, put it in the gym, put, put the work in the gym. Is that the issue right now for Walston? I don't want to actually, I, I don't want to call him lazy, but yeah. you're, you're, you're kind of on the right track. He's, <laughs> he's a little, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there's, the word bonus baby has been thrown around. It's not a, it's, it's not a, it's not a positive nickname, but it's a little bit of, Hey, like, you know, I have a lot of inherent physical ability and he's a guy who he's always been the most talented player on his team. And, and you see some guys and when they get into professional sports have the wrong mentality when that's been their background. And he's a guy, like I said, he's young. I mean, I think he's 20 right now. Maybe I think he's 20. 
about to turn 21. And so I think he just needs a little bit of growing up. And I do think spring training and another full season around some veterans will do him some good. Yeah, and lazy is probably too strong a word. He might just be a guy that has rested on his laurels because, like you said, he's been the most talented pitcher. Like we see this in other sports, you know, a basketball player of the name of Luka Doncic comes into the league fat because he, he's one of the best players in the NBA and he just takes mm-hmm. the offseason off. So that could have been the same thing for Walston. He just kind of rested on his laurels uh, so far throughout his career. But when you look at him, do, do you I, – I guess you've said, do you think he can be a, a, like a number two, number one starter? What do you think is the more realistic path for Walston? Do you think it's more of a number one or do you think it's probably more of a number two? Uh being a lefty, being able to hit 94, 95, if he can, as he continues to develop, and I'm, I'm projecting a bit here, but uh, putting on a little bit of weight and getting a couple more ticks on the fastball, if he can get that fastball, instead of sitting low 90s, if he can get that fastball to consistently sit 95 with the ability to reach back and get more from the left-hand side, I think he has the potential to be a number one. Um, and at this point, it's all up to him. I mean, his... He is in charge of what happens to him, and it's based off of his work ethic. It's based off of of his between starts routine and what he chooses to do. But he absolutely has the tools to be a low end number one. We're not going to call him one of the five best pitchers in baseball, but he'd probably be considered yeah. one of the you know one of the thirty best pitchers in baseball if he gets his head on straight and commits to doing the work. Mm. So it sounds like he needs to put on some weight, and it sounds like he needs to get some protein in him, and Lindsay, do you know where the best place to get some protein is? Uh, Built Bars. That's right, Built Bar, because it's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. Yours is about getting fit or eating healthier. Make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your New Year's resolution. It's covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. It's great for that keto diet. Just go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And Lindsay here, we got a few more guys on this list that I want to discuss. And this next guy is someone that D-backs fans are already kind of familiar with because he's already made his major league debut. And that is Geraldo Perdomo, I believe I said his name right, who mm-hmm. has who debuted this past season. He was all right. I mean, 258 average, 800 OPS, but again, only 31 at bat. So it's not like we got to see a large sample size from Perdomo. He checks in at number 89 on the top 100 list for Baseball America. But when you look at Perdomo, how do you project him on the major league on the major league level? What are his strengths as a player? So his strengths, definitely uh, his, his defensive ability. He's a, a no-doubt shortstop. So when you're looking at prospects, and I believe I had this conversation with Josh Neighbors of Locked On Nationals, uh, I want to say last Wednesday, if you, if you want to go back and check your podcast feeds, everybody. Uh, but... <laughs> You get a when you're looking at prospects, there's a disproportionate number of prospects at shortstop. And it's usually because uh, prep baseball and then international baseball, you know, with the, you know, with the youth, which Perdomo was a was a 2016 international free agent, you put your best athletes at shortstop and at center field. And so whenever we're looking at a prospect, we're always trying to figure out are they going to stick at shortstop or are they going to move to to a corner infield? Are they going to move to second? Are they going to move to the outfield? Uh, Perdomo is definitely a guy that can stick at shortstop. Defensively, he can make all of the routine plays, and he can make the tough ones. He's got soft hands. He's got like an above average and accurate arm, so he can make all the throws. 
Uh, he he definitely has what it takes defensively to play at the major league level. The question we going. yeah the question we have on him is his bat. Well, it, how much more development is he going to do at the plate? And it's something where he's got a good eye, he's got good contact skills. Skills he just doesn't make quality contact. He's kind of a soft hitter, and he has a limited ability to drive the ball. Uh, he we kind of look at. You know, last year he made some adjustments and we saw him, I, th- I think it was after he got sent back down, uh, he made some adjustments and he showed a little bit more pop in his bat. But the question is, is that going to stick? And even if it does stick, I don't think he really ends up being much of a power threat. He's going to be probably a, a league average, maybe a little bit better contact hitter with fringy power. You know, he, he can drive it into a gap, but he's not going to be a threat to put him over the fence every time he comes up to bat. And so the question is, can he consistently put the bat to the ball and make quality contact? And we just haven't seen enough of that yet to move him up from somewhere like 89th on the list. So is he basically the next Nick Ahmed then, a guy who can play lead defense for you at shortstop, but might be a little bit of an offensive liability in your lineup? I think he's... That, I think Nick Ahmed's a good comp for him as he stands right now. He has the ability to go past that if he can take some of the adjustments from last year and it turns out that they actually stick and it wasn't just a run of good luck he had. Uh, but Nick Ahmed's a good comp for him as he is a player right now. Uh, I think that defensively, he's as good if not better than Nick Ahmed. Um, offensively, kind of profiles the same as far as kind of a live offensive liability. He can make contact, but he's not going to do much with it. What do you think of his speed, though? Because I think I could stomach maybe a low average or whatever, but if he got on base and was able to swipe a few bags, because looking at his minor league numbers, he has a couple seasons where he has 20-plus stolen bases. But, again, it's the minor league, so some of those numbers are inflated. So do you think he has plus speed to maybe be a 20-25 to stolen base guy on the MLB level? So when you look at him, he's he's his success rate on stolen bases um, is – just under what is that 75 percent or so it's terrible Um, yeah yeah um i think that he's a guy who can pick and choose his spots i don't think he's going to be a threat to steal on everybody but i think he's a he's a guy where situationally he can do that you're going to use him a lot and stuff like hit and runs you're going to you're going to have him taking off you know and and moving from first to third on a on a single to left or single to right, but I don't necessarily think he's going to be a huge stolen base threat. If he can develop a little more speed, I'd feel better about about um, his ability to contribute offensively despite having low power. Not quite there yet, but he still he still has potential. Again, he was signed in 2016 as a 16-year-old, so he's just now getting to that 21, 22 you know, age where he can improve a little bit more before he finishes filling out. Yeah, and these defensive shortstops that can't really hit, like they usually stick around in the league for 10 to 15 years when you look at the Nick Ahmeds and the Jose Inglesias. Like those guys are always going to be valuable to the World Series contenders who can, you know, mash their way through the playoffs, but might need that last defensive piece. So maybe he's someone that the D-backs end up trading down the line. Maybe you package him with a little Blake Walston, a high potential kind of guy. Then you get a, a surefire high floor guy with Geraldo Perdomo. Maybe bring back an interesting guy. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. but. Next up on the list, who checks in at number 32, way higher than number 89. And this is a guy that I think D-backs fans are very excited to see, probably the most excited to see since 
Dalton Varshar, I want to say, because it seems like this man will be on the MLB level pretty soon. And that is Alec Thomas after basically just coming home with like the MVP award for the minor league system, uh, going to the all-star game in the minors. Like this guy had a season to remember uh, down in the minors. And when you look at him, he's a smaller kind of guy, 5'11", 175, not a huge frame. But do you think he can be a stud on the MLB level? What kind of player do you think Alec Thomas can be? So Alec Thomas is a guy that in a perfect world, he probably comes out of spring training in Arizona. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen simply because there's so many incentives to keep a guy down for a little bit, uh, service time-wise, things like that. But I see him as a good all-around outfielder. He's got um, pure hitter potential, and his defense is good enough. So, I mean, he's, a what, a 312 hitter, career OPS of something like 883. You know, he's an aggressive hitter. He wants to do damage at the plate. Um, but despite being aggressive, he still has a 10% walk rate. And that's something where when you're looking at a lot of offensive prospects you'll see guys who come out they like to swing on the first pitch and you know and kind of ambush the pitcher they like to be aggressive but unless they make contact they're not getting on base and he's a guy that can still draw a walk still has a good enough eye um he has a lot of moving parts to his swing so i think part of the reason that that you don't see a little bit more power out of him is just because there's so much going on he's got a he's got a significant leg kick kind of reminds me and I'm not this is not a player comparison but it reminds me watching him reminds me of watching Mookie Betts bat just the way that he kind of has that leg kick to generate power and it comes from being that smaller stature guy but he do he does have a lot of moving parts and if he can simplify his swing a bit make it a little bit easier to catch up on those pitches down and away I I think that he's going to be able to play in the league for a while as a good middle of the lineup outfielder for you um defensively should be a plus defender he's got good speed he's got a uh, good reads off the bat i do worry about his arm i think it's average at best it's enough for center field but it's not a weapon but still i mean if you if you can be a pure hitter like he is his defense will be good enough he can stick around for a while at the major league level okay you say stick around but in terms of ceiling how high can this guy go? Because I guess if he puts it all together, you know, it gets the power department together and all that, I guess he can have a pretty high ceiling. But considering what his skill set is at right now, if this is a major leaguer, you know, within the next couple of seasons, what kind of player can he be right now? And if everything breaks right, what kind of ceiling can he be? If everything breaks right, I see him as, a, as an all-star right fielder, left fielder. Um, I see him as a above average center fielder. I mean, I think offensively he's good enough and he, he does it despite his size, but offensively he's good enough where he can be in your three hole. He can, you know, he can be a top of the lineup uh, guy up there who does damage for you and can hit well enough if he has protection around him to make the all-star game. If everything breaks right as he stands right now, uh, he's a guy that he probably wouldn't start for every team in baseball, but he'd probably start for 15, 20 teams in baseball right now um, simply because of the the skill with the bat in his hands. Um, doesn't hurt that everybody needs good lefty bats, and he's a lefty bat who looks like he has some power. Uh, I do want him to develop a little bit more and just simplify that swing. I think those are the two biggest things for him, uh, but he does have a lot of potential 
in your lineup towards the top. Yeah, and just from an offensive production standpoint, I think the guy I kind of want him to get to, it's a very random co- comparison, but like a Dustin Pedroia type who's like 18 home runs, 18 stolen bases, good average, good power, plays good defense. I think that's th- those are the kind of pillars that I want Alec Thomas to hit. Of course, you know, two different positions, two different play right. styles, but just from a pure production looking at the baseball reference stat line, I think Pedroia kind of has the numbers that I think Thomas can hit one day. Nothing crazy, but a lot of just overall checking off a lot of boxes and stuff in the stat sheet. So I am in on Alec Thomas. I think he can be pretty good. Now, I don't expect to – I'm not one of those guys that think every prospect is going to be a Hall of Famer. So for Alec Thomas, I'm definitely tempering my expectations, especially when it comes to his speed. Like we were mm-hmm. just talking with Perdomo. Uh, he's like 15 stolen bases but gets caught like 12 times. Like it, the, yeah. the ratio is not that good for Alec Thomas. So I would like to see – how that area projects for him on the major league level. But I think if I had to bet on it, I would bet on him being a pretty good player. And you know where the best place to place bets is, Lindsay? BetOnline.ag. That is right. BetOnline.ag because BetOnline would like to wish you a new happy betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Lindsay. Now we're finishing up the top 100 list according to Baseball America. We are now in the top 30. Alec Thomas was 32. We are now at number 29. And checking in next is the D-backs first round pick from this season. He's already got a lot of hype around this guy. And that is Jordan Mm -hmm. Lawler. So this is someone that's getting crazy comparisons. People are expecting him to be a future superstar shortstop. Like, I don't know. Let's see this guy a little bit in rookie ball first or, you know, high A before we make any proclamations about the guy because I think he tore his shoulder before he was even able to play, uh, you know, a, a game, a pitch in the minor. So what do you think about Jordan Lawler? Are the expectations real for this guy? Does this guy really have a superstar kind of a ceiling? What do you think of when you think of Jordan Lawler? So the player comp, and I'm, I'm hesitant to always give player comps because fans hear it and think it's a sure thing. And you have to understand it's a projection. But the player comp, when I look at Jordan Lawler and I look at the tools that he has and how he plays, is I think Carlos Correa, no. which is a pretty, is a pretty good comp. Yeah, and it's something... and Correa coming? All right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something where he's a middle-of-the-lineup hitter, and it looks like he's going to be able to stick it short as well defensively. So on offense... He's got terrific bat speed. He can keep up with velocity, and you talked about it earlier. I mean, velocity is one of those things that's so prevalent in Major League Baseball right now, and he has the physical ability to do it. Uh, I do worry a little bit about how much swing and miss he has in his game, but he's getting better with it, and he's starting. his raw power is starting to show up. And reminder, he was a 2021 draft pick out of high school, so he's Mm -hmm. 19 years old. He's got some time to physically develop. As he adds strength, his power is going to develop. I don't think he's ever going to have plus power. He's never going to be known as a, a slugging shortstop who hits 35 home runs, but mm. he's got great gap power. He's going to be able to drive the ball to all fields. 
and and he's going to hold his own middle of the lineup. I could see him as a great fit in like your five hole, given protection to your cleanup hitter. You don't want to walk the cleanup hitter because you know he's going to be able to take care of it. Um, defensively, surefire shortstop. Good hands, good range, good footwork. Um, his arm is fantastic. I mean, his arm is it's almost plus plus. He could play that would that arm would play great at third, but he's mm-hmm. got the accuracy, the finesse, uh, and the body control to still stick it short. He can make all of the plays. He can make them look easy. And so he doesn't have to move off of short unless you want him to. You may decide that similar to a, uh, you know, that that moving him to third would be a better way to take advantage of his arm, and he's a guy who could do that. He has this, uh, the ability in his frame to put on some weight and develop the power if you decide you want him to do that. But as he is right now, he can play short. The questions I have with him is pretty much injury concerns. You, you mentioned it. He tore his labrum and his non-throwing shoulder. And so we just haven't seen a whole lot of him outside of high school. I think he had six plate attempts last mm-hmm. year because he tore shoulder. And so the question is, how does he come back from that? Has that, like how much has that disrupted his development? And then how long will he need to recover the physical gains he would have gotten if had he not been injured? Yeah, I think I'm okay uh, with the injury right now just because it was so early in his MLB mm-hmm. career. Like it was even before any development really could have started. So I don't think I'm really too concerned with the injury, especially just I discussed this on a pod the other day, like injuries with the modern athletes. Like I'm just not as concerned as I used to be, like torn Achilles, Tommy John surgeries. Yeah. Like all these athletes come back nowadays. And a lot of times they're even better post-surgery or whatever, if they're still young yeah. enough and taking care of themselves before. They're like 36. and Yeah, one catastrophic injury I don't necessarily worry too much about. And so so a guy like him, I mean, a, a torn labrum is a, almost by definition, a catastrophic injury. Now, non-throwing shoulder makes it not as big of a deal. Uh, I do think he'll come back fine from that. The, the only times where I necessarily worry long-term with an injury is when you see repetitive catastrophic injuries i think of a mike soroka who's torn his achilles now twice that's something where we don't have as much precedent for coming back from multiple catastrophic injuries um jordan lawler torn shoulder wouldn't worry too much about it the only thing that 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 i think about when i think about that torn labrum is how much development or how 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 much did that set back his development before he can make it to the mlb level you know how 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 late did it push him back now, assuming he's healthy entering next season, everything's all fine with the shoulder. How long do you think it can be before we see this guy? Because coming out of high school, I'm assuming it's going to take like, you know, five, six years before we see this guy. But is he maybe more of a Ben attendee, Jose Fernandez? I could get there in two years or less. I think he could probably get there in three. Uh, provide, you know, since he did tear it so early in rookie ball, he's had plenty of time to rehab it. He's had plenty of time, you know, he should come back stronger than he was before, and that might help with some of that power that we talked about. And I think provided that he did a lot of the extra work in the weight room, which, and from everything I've heard, he's the kind of guy that would do that, I think he can be there in three years. I would expect him to spend time in both low A and high A this year, and if everything goes well, get a promotion towards the end of the season to double A. And then after that, if that happens, I'd see, I can see him in three years breaking spring training with the big league club okay okay I, I i like those comparisons or i like the everything you tell me about jordan lawler today because with the investment that the d-backs made in him and 
considering all the expectations that have been put on his shoulders uh, coming out the draft. Uh, I'm hoping this guy can work out because the D-backs desperately need a superstar player just anywhere on their team. They got a couple and a gallon and a Ketel Marte, in my opinion, but they definitely need some more talent and getting a guy like Jordan Lawler. They can develop If they can develop him as a homegrown guy, I think that would be a huge plus because the D-backs just don't do that enough. There's just not enough homegrown talent in Arizona, at least not enough homegrown quality talent in Arizona like we've talked about before this pod. Uh, the D-backs have a lot of dudes in the outfielder and checking in number one for the D-backs on the Baseball America top 100 list is Corbin Carroll outfielder number 20 on the baseball top 100 and he's another guy that suffered a season ending injury but is that injury something that concerns you and just overall uh, as a player Corbin Carroll how do you view him is he the next superstar outfielder for the D-backs or is it uh, let's temper our expectations a little bit because he might be out of need <laughs> so he's got all of the physical tools to be to be a superstar he's a dynamic player as he is right now he's probably the fastest base runner in your entire system okay. i mean he 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 projects if everything breaks correctly to be somewhere batting first to third i could see him leading off really easily uh, so on offense, very fluid swing. He's got gap power to all fields, really good at making contact, you know, bat to ball skills. Uh, so he'll be a plus threat offensively. Uh, and the contact is quality contact. We've said that with some other guys that they can hit the ball, but it's weak contact. He gets quality contact. He rarely swings and misses. Um, the, the, the power is developing. I, we need to see more of him against big league pitching. You mentioned the torn labrum and capsule in his throwing shoulder. Uh, he's only had 215 plate appearances in three seasons between mm-hmm. injury and the missed 2020 season. So we just need to see more of him to know how much power potential is there. I've seen different re- reports. I've seen 55 power. I've seen 60 power. I've seen 50 power. We just don't necessarily know exactly where he is until he gets more, um, more play time defensively like i said fantastic speed he's fundamentally sound he can cover ground well enough where he can be a plus center fielder but his arm isn't where you need a center fielder's arm to be so i would look at him to be one of those corner outfield staple kind of guys for you probably playing a left field and I do think you lose something because we don't necessarily know how much power he's going to have, but typically your left fielder is usually one of your more powerful hitters in the outfield. And I don't know if he's going to do that, but the potential's there. We just need to see more of him. Like I said, 215 plate appearances in three years. The cop I really like to think about is a a Johnny Damon or Jacoby Ellsbury. I mean, really good defensively, key parts of your team, not always a power threat, but can hit the ball out of any ballpark. Just not somebody who does it 35, 40 times a season. So he had, you know, he's, he's number 20. I think rightfully so. He's a very talented player defensively and offensively. The only question I have is what is he going to do power wise once he comes back? And he seems like mentally he's a guy that is, is focused on being a professional. There's been reports about after he had a shoulder surgery Uh, He was actually seen at Diamondbacks games, sitting back behind home plate, sitting with members of the team, discussing strategy, discussing plays. He also took college classes. So mentally, he seems to be invested in, and how can I be a a better player? How can I be a better professional? So he has the work ethic to get there. Uh, 
I just think he needs some time to recover from the injury, put on a little bit more weight. He's a little little undersized at 5'10", 165, and just develop that power, and he's going to be a top-of-the-lineup guy for possibly a decade in Arizona. So how how is he ranked so high then if he's had such little opportunity so far in the major league level between the COVID shortened season and the injury? Like, did he just flash that much in rookie ball? Is it back to what he was doing in high school or something like that? Like, what are the scouts seeing that's like, all right, this guy, Corbin Carroll, he's a future star, even though we've barely seen him in the minors. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, like I said, he's not hit a lot, but when he was, Playing 316 batting average, 970 OPS. I mean, he's shown he had, I mean, he only hit four home runs, but he's shown that he has almost elite offensive ability. And a lot of it is based off of, we're still kind of looking at some projections from what he was in high school. And then we're trying to look at what limited bit of him we've seen in professional baseball. Uh, I think that's why he's rated so high is because Kind of a lack of information, but everything that we do have for the most part is good other than that power question. So that's why he's so high. And I think it, I, from what I've seen, I think that's warranted. I think his spot in the rankings, that number 20 spot, is warranted. He's a good player. Um, we just have that question about what's his power going to do um, because he's been injured, because we lost a season. And it's not really any fault of his. It's not like a... a I say it's not it's no fault of his. He threw um he he tore the labrum hitting a home run, which is wild. <laughs> you know, for especially for a guy who does none of the time, but it's really not his fault that we have these questions. But I think 20 is a good spot for him because if you add that power component in there, if he becomes a power threat, he's one of the t- the 10 best prospects in baseball. If he and I, and I was just gonna say I love the comparisons that you gave for him in a John Damon and a Jacoby Ellsbury because think Damon might be the more, I guess, higher upside, the, the higher ceiling of the two, just because Damon had that power potential mm-hmm. and that power department. Jacoby Ellsbury really only had that one season. But even if he's just a Jacoby Ellsbury, like that's an elite defensive player. That's a guy who, what, 40 or 50 stolen bases a season, high average, get on base a mm-hmm. good amount of time. So if he ends up being either one of those two players, I would love that. The D-backs, I think, desperately need a table setter. Someone at the top of the lineup that can, you know, create offense, get on base, steal some bags, uh, score some runs. And they just been missing that the last few years. So I think Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas, they seem like two guys that could just slide right into that one, two spot. And then maybe in the future, you have Jordan Lawler as your number three hitter who might have a little bit more upside in the power department. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for these top D-backs prospects. Now, I don't. I, I want to keep my expectations low for all of them because when it comes to prospects, I'm like the anti-prospect guy on the at the Lockdown Podcast Network. Like they, they're just too big of a gamble and risk for me. Like I, I'll right. rather be Dave Dombrowski and just trade prospects for ready-made stars. I think that's the best philosophy you can have. So right now, I'm going to keep my expectations low. But I like a lot of things you said. We're getting Carlos Correa, we're getting Mookie Betts, and we're either getting Jacoby or Johnny Damon. So. The D-backs got three superstars coming in the next three years, and it sounds like we should be pretty excited about D-backs baseball in Arizona. You guys called Bet Online and put money on the Diamondbacks futures. This is the 2026 World Series team, baby. That's what we love to hear. I'm going to make that the uh, headline of this video. I got to get like a little snippet of this video and post that 2026. Champs, baby. Lindsey, Crosby, where can the listeners find you for, because you're new here at the Lockdown Podcast Network, so where can the listeners find you? So I am on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show is on Twitter at Locked on Farm. And you can follow Locked on 
MLB prospects wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. It's been uh, it's been about three weeks now that I've been been making shows for the network. Had a great uh, great reception from everybody and and just really enjoying our time here. So definitely check it out um, anywhere you get your podcasts and YouTube. All right, cool. And if uh, for Crosby's listeners, I'm not sure if you're using the audio, but at Creator Thomas24 for my uh, Twitter account, my personal, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Sir, it was nice doing this first time crossover. We'll definitely be doing more crossovers in the future, probably mid season or before the season starts, do a little update to see how the guys look. Maybe after spring training, we get some performances and, you know, maybe a couple guys crack the roster. So we'll see. But Lindsay, I know you got some kids over there that are sleeping, so you got you got hopefully you know take advantage of the night, maybe get a beer or a glass of wine, and yeah, and just you know relax the rest of the night, sir. There you go. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.